0: um, we're in john's gospel chapter 15 and i'm sure it's um, a well-known passage to you Uh, some wonderful words of the lord jesus in these few chapters Uh, and i want us to look this evening at john chapter 15 and verses one to three but i did read from the end of chapter 14 because because there's a connection there isn't there with all these chapters jesus is in the upper room of the disciples and um, and then at the end of chapter 14 verse 31 Uh, Jesus says arise let us go from you and um, the disciples really are are a bit confused they're troubled Uh, but the Lord has told them that he's going to the cross and uh, they don't understand the need for that it hasn't fully dawned on them what's what's going to happen Uh, but Jesus is determined you get that at the end of chapter 14 verse 31 Uh, as the father gave me commandment even so I do arise let us go from here so whatever is happening in the in the minds of the disciples jesus is determined to go to the cross he knows what he has to do he's received a commandment from the father and uh, he's going to the cross and uh, we we don't know for definite whether uh, as as they make their way uh, from the upper room maybe they're on their way to the garden of gethsemane and uh, maybe that's why the lord speaks about a vine Um, Maybe they can see trees growing or a a vineyard uh, on their way as they walk. So maybe that's the reason why the Lord uses this illustration in chapter 15 verse 1. But it's it's one of the great I am sayings of the Gospel of John. Uh, I am the true vine. Uh, I would hazard a guess really that maybe this particular I am we don't tend to think about so much. Maybe we know the other ones better. I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. So, may, so maybe this one um, is, is a little bit neglected, but it is a wonderful statement, isn't it, of uh, of what it means to be a Christian, to be joined to Jesus Christ, just as a branch is joined to a tree, or, or, or the vineyard here has got these branches spreading out of it, uh, and um, the life of the of the vine the vine goes into the branch. It's the picture of what of Jesus using um, describing the Christian life. Uh, Hudson Taylor, the great Chinese missionary, or the missionary rather who went to China for those many years, uh, he said once, our greatest need is to know God better. It's a good statement, isn't it? Our greatest need as Christians is to know God better. And you could say that's why Jesus is speaking these words um, to the disciples in these few chapters. He wants them to know God better. And of course that, that will happen because of the cross, and the the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost later on. Um, But all all I want to do this evening really um, is just to look at verses one to three, divide those few verses into three parts. First of all, looking at what Jesus says about himself, Uh, he describes himself as the true vine. I am the true vine. I'm sure you already know that um, the Lord Jesus here is describing himself as, uh, as the one who spoke in the Old Testament. We think of that great passage in Exodus chapter 3, where God speaks to Moses. Uh, But we could say, uh, without a doubt really, that it was the person of Christ who was there too. The Son of God was there, speaking to Moses in the Old Testament. And when Moses says, uh, who shall I say to Pharaoh, when Pharaoh asks who sent you, then um, uh, the Lord says to Moses, I am, that I am has sent you. And and that's the title that Jesus uses, isn't it, in the Gospel of John. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the door. Uh, I am the true vine. And so the Lord Jesus Christ takes that divine name and um, he uses it uh, without a hesitation and applies it to himself. He is Almighty God. Christians believe that about him. Uh, If we don't believe that Jesus is Almighty God, then we can't call ourselves Christian, can we? Uh, The Son of God uh, is you in flesh, uh, God-man. And uh, he's Almighty God, but he's a human being too. And uh, he describes himself as the true vine. Why does the Lord Jesus describe himself as the true vine? The the word true there doesn't only mean the opposite of false, uh, but it means genuine uh it means something which is authentic he is the true vine authentic and real genuine there's nothing false about him and uh, of course it takes us back to the old testament when um, in isaiah chapter 5 we have these uh, these words describing the israelites the israelite nation in the old testament uh listen to these words from isaiah chapter 5 uh let me sing to my well beloved a song regarding his vineyard my well beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill he dug it and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine he built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it he expected it to bring forth good grapes but it brought forth wild grapes and then the voice of god calling to the people uh, now o inhabitants of jerusalem men of Judah, judge please between me and my vineyard what more could i have could have been done to my vineyard that i've not done in it why then when i expected it to bring forth good grapes did it bring forth wild grapes it's one of the great passages in the old testament describing the israelites because in spite of all their privileges that they've received from god god looks at them and he doesn't discover what he wants he doesn't find what he expected to find. He doesn't find uh, lovely, sweet, pleasant lives, but he finds wild grapes. The people have been marred by sin and uh, they've worshipped idols and so on. Same description is given in Psalm 80, Jeremiah chapter 2, Ezekiel 15, Hosea chapter 10. And um, here is the Lord Jesus picking up that picture from the Old Testament. Uh, the vineyard in the old testament but something went wrong with it because of sin now the lord jesus in the new testament describes himself as the true vine it's it's a tremendous description of jesus isn't it that um, as as we think of the israelite nation uh, as we think of our world in 2021 then we think of our own lives you know marred by sin we're all sinners who do we turn to for some pleasantness Who do we turn to when we think of god looking down for somebody you know who's lived lived a good godly life there's only one person we can turn to and think about it's the lord jesus himself and so jesus says i am the true vine i am the authentic vine when we look at the life of the lord jesus in the gospels uh, do we find wild grapes no we don't do we we find god the father speaking about his son and uh, saying about him at his baptism for example this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased god the father looking down at the lord jesus christ and and perfect perfectly pleased with him the life of the lord jesus Uh, one preacher describes uh, john 15 verse 1 in these words the lord jesus has been planted in the earth to do what the hebrew nation failed to do He is the real vine planted in the world and in the soil of human nature. That's that's a good commentary, really, isn't it? On John 15, verse 1. Jesus has come into the world. The Israelite nation had many privileges. They had the prophets, they had the commandments, they had the covenant and so on. They had many privileges and yet, despite despite it all, they were marred by sin and evil they went astray time and time again and then god sends his son this is the great the great good news of the gospel isn't it the christian faith god the father sends his son into the world and the life of the lord jesus christ is perfect i am the true vine jesus says and everything about him is perfect and sweet and lovely Listen to these words from Hebrews chapter 7. Uh, The writer to the Hebrews is telling us that Jesus is uh, the very saviour that we need. He's the very person that we all need. He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. And he has become higher than the heavens. Uh, and uh, then he goes on to speak about the cross and the sacrifice of Christ. But it's, it's a lovely definition, a statement again about the Lord Jesus as the very person that we need. And uh, he's holy and harmless and undefiled and separate from sinners. And uh, when, when I began my preaching ministry many years ago, um, I, I used to say these words. But I was put right, thankfully. Somebody took me aside and told me that I I wasn't saying the right things. I I used to say these words, something like this. Jesus didn't come to live. He came to die. I was so keen in my ministry to preach about the the crucified Christ that um, I was in error then, wasn't I? Because it's not quite true, is it? Jesus did come to live. And his perfect obedience is crucial because there's nobody else in the world that has lived a perfect life we are all sinners inside the churches outside the churches we are we're just like the israelite nation we've had many privileges and yet sin spoils it all but the lord jesus thankfully not only came to die but he came to live as well there's a a a great hymn uh, that we often sing in the christian church augustus Toplady, great hymn writer A debtor to mercy alone. And he says, My Saviour's obedience and blood hide all my transgressions from view. And so, well, there he got it right, didn't he? My Saviour's life, his obedience and his blood hide all my transgressions from view. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Um, What a, a lovely thing on a Wednesday evening that uh, we can just spend a few moments thinking about the loveliness of the Lord Jesus, his perfect life. We are sinners. We always have to confess our sins. But the Lord Jesus is the true vine who, who has this loveliness and who produces things that please God. And uh, so we are thankful for a, a saviour like the Lord Jesus is. So let's move on to a second thing. We could could spend all evening, couldn't we, on on those words, I am the true vine. But then the Lord Jesus describes his father. My father, he says in verse one, is the vine dresser. And so the Lord Jesus describes himself and and then immediately he describes his father. My father is the vine dresser. And uh, they always work together. You can't separate the Trinity they are equal in deity they are equal in power and glory and yet for the purposes of saving us you could say they have different roles in in our salvation it was the lord jesus christ who became human who became incarnate god the father didn't become incarnate neither did the spirit and uh, you could say the Lord Jesus is touching on these themes, here, isn't he? That uh, he is the true vine. He's becoming incarnate. He's he's God coming down into the world and taking human nature. What is the Father doing? Overseeing everything, sending his Son, and uh, carefully watching over everything that happens with the Lord Jesus and everything that he does. And so he's overseeing the vine. He's overseeing the garden. Maybe some of you here this evening are gardeners and um, you, you are keen gardeners. I, I'm sorry, but I haven't got a clue <laughs> about gardening. Uh, but that's the picture Jesus uses you, isn't it? That um, the garden and it has to be kept properly. And uh, as far as the Lord Jesus is concerned, God the Father keeps his eye on his son, and he, he is determined that nothing will spoil what Jesus is going to do. And so you have this description here of God as uh, the overseer, if you like, the gardener, the vine dresser. The Father and the Son are one in the work of salvation. There's no conflict, there's no disagreement. Jesus is the true vine, and God the Father is also true in his work. Uh, our heavenly Father is like that, isn't He? It's good to remember that our Father, our heavenly Father, is overseeing the work. It's always good for us to remember that, as Christians, isn't it? The, the work isn't ours, but it's God's work, and uh, that keeps us humble, doesn't it? Or should our heavenly Father watching over the the, the vine, and uh, carefully watching Jesus and all who belong to Him. We know that um, in in human families, sadly, sometimes there are absent fathers, and then there are indulgent fathers, absent fathers. They take no responsibility. They don't look after their children, and then sometimes there are indulgent fathers, and they spoil the child, and the child uh, ends up as a spoilt human being, which isn't a nice thing. But uh, we know as Christians that our heavenly Father is not absent and He's not indulgent. Uh, he's loving and careful and um, he doesn't allow the work of his son the Lord Jesus to be spoiled or to fail Uh, so look down with me now at verse 2 and Jesus says there are two things that his father is doing first of all he says every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes it away well, we might like to go down to verse 6 to, to link that verse with the, the words in verse 2 Jesus says in verse 6 If anyone does not abide in me he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them in and throw them into the fire and they are burned every branch in me that does not bear fruit the father, the vine dresser, takes it away some have interpreted this to mean that you can lose your salvation if you're a Christian uh, I don't believe that's the right interpretation, because we know from other parts of the Bible, old and New Testament, um, if you are a true believer, then you are kept to the end. There is no losing of salvation. So what does the Lord Jesus mean when he uses that sentence in verse two, "Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. It's removed. It's helpful to think of what's gone on in this upper room in John 13 to chapter 16, isn't it? And we read about a man called Judas Iscariot. And it seemed as if he was one of the disciples. When Jesus says that one of you will betray me, uh, the other disciples didn't have a clue. They thought that Judas was just like them, genuine, saved. He'd gone out on preaching tours with them. He'd been involved in three years of ministry with the Lord Jesus. And yet he wasn't a saved man, was he? Uh, We might say that he was loosely attached to the Lord Jesus. There was an attachment. He appeared to be in Christ. And yet when it came to the crunch, he wasn't saved. And he's removed, isn't he? We could regard Judas Iscariot uh, in these few chapters in John 13 to 16 and we could think of his responsibility. He was responsible for his actions and uh, out he goes to betray Jesus for money. He goes out into the darkness. We could also say that God removed him, couldn't we? The Father removed him. So that Jesus is left then to speak to his 11 genuine disciples. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. The father, the vine dresser, my father will take away. Sometimes when uh, trials happen, people say they are Christians and then trials come. And Jesus spoke about that in the the parable of the sower. Um, And he said that sometimes trials will come and those who appeared to be saved, they are offended because they didn't expect the Christian life to be so hard and so they are removed as it were the trial has removed them of course the ultimate removal is when the lord jesus comes again jesus speaks about that in matthew chapter 13 and uh, he says that his angels will come and uh, gather everything that offends out of his kingdom and it'll be burned in the fire and so jesus here says that that's the work of god the father every branch in me that does not bear fruit if it doesn't bear fruit that is it's not really joined to the Lord Jesus is it listen to these words by Robert Murray McShane uh, he's thinking about this um, this danger you know of uh, appearing to be a Christian but not bearing any fruit he's thinking of the fig tree Robert Mary McShane when he writes these words uh, you remember what the Lord said about the fig tree Uh, It had the appearance of much fruit. It had a lot of leaves, but there was no fruit. And Robert Murray McShane writes these words. How many years hast thou, my heart, acted the barren fig trees part? Leafy and fresh and fair. Enjoying heavenly dews of grace and sunny smiles from God's own face. But where the fruit are where? Isn't that a a sober poem to write? You know, you, you can be blessed by God, you can experience certain things. You might have certain gifts like Judas Iscariot had. And yet when it comes to the crunch, you're not joined with Jesus in saving union. And you're going to be removed. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. He's writing these words to Christians. Examine yourselves whether you are in the faith. Imagine writing that to a church. (laughs) You know, we're all in the building and um, well, we must all be saved if we're in the church building. But the Apostle Paul knows better than that, doesn't he? Just because a person's in a church building, doesn't necessarily mean you're in the kingdom of God or uh, joined to Jesus. And so he says, examine yourselves whether you are in the faith. So the father is watching the vineyard and he knows whether we are really joined to Jesus or not. And every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, he takes it away. And then Jesus says, the father is doing something else. Look at the last part of verse two every branch that bears fruit he prunes it that it might it may bear more fruit every branch that bears fruit he prunes it that it may bear more fruit jesus says that um, not only does his father remove the branches that are dead but he also cuts and prunes those branches that are fruitful You may have read in church history about a man called Polycarp. Polycarp was a martyr. He, he was burnt at the stake in the second century. Uh, and um, he was 86 years of age, I think, when he died. Um, maybe some of you will know the actual quote. And he, he was tempted, you know, to abandon Christ. He could have uh, avoided being burnt at the stake. But he said something like this, 86 years I have, I have uh, loved the Lord Jesus and he has never failed me. Did you know that polycarp, the name polycarp means much fruit? Much fruit. And in that sense, the Lord Jesus wants us all to be polycarps in the Christian church. He wants us to bear much fruit. That, um, you know, we're not to be satisfied with just being saved. That's a wonderful thing to be saved. But, but the Father now is, is, is watching the vineyard and he, every branch that bears fruit, genuine believers uh he prunes that it might bear f- forth bring forth more fruit the word prune there means to cleanse uh, that, that's the greek word the, the meaning of the greek word prune is is to cleanse to be more more holy and uh, this is what god wants for his people that we might be polycarps much fruit the Lord Jesus, as we thought of him just briefly just now, as, as the true vine, you know, the Lord Jesus' life was, was lovely and, um, and uh, pleasing to God. And so as we are joined to Christ by his Holy Spirit, his life is in us and, and, and we become like Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian, isn't it? Not just to attend a church or to have certain privileges or, or even to have certain gifts. But um, the real privilege of being a Christian means that we, we become like Christ, to be like Jesus. His life becomes part of us. Not perfectly, of course, in this world, uh, but it's the Lord's dealing with us. He he prunes us and cleanses us. you remember the words of the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5? And uh, verse 22, he says the, the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and and uh, self-control, he says, and meekness. Another quotation from Robert Murray Shane, the, um, the young man who died when he was just 29 from Dundee. And he, he says it's not, it's not great gifts that God blesses or that God uses, but it's likeness to Christ. Am I becoming more like Jesus? and that's what the father wants with us and so he he prunes us and he cuts us and uh, that that leads us on to the third thing that we want to say Uh, and um, we we, we find that uh, at the end of verse two and then verse three Uh, the, the word purge or prune as we've said means to cleanse to be made more holy and uh, so let's look look at that first of all uh, the words there still at the end of verse 2 first of all every branch that bears fruit he prunes it he cleanses it and and that word there is, is, the, is the present active tense it's an ongoing process the father takes the knife and he cuts away those things that are not helpful uh last year in in our backyard we we had um, a bay tree my, my wife likes to do a little bit of gardening and um, we haven't got a very big garden, but she she likes to keep her bay trees nice, you know, and tidy. And and this one was going black for some reason. I had no idea what was going on, but I could see that it was something was wrong. So my wife took the secateurs, you know, and just just cut all the 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 dead leaves off, and um. And and it looked really pathetic afterwards. When the family were calling around, you know, they said, "Well, what what's gone wrong with you, a bay tree?" Um, but Karen had cut it back. Uh, but you should see it today, a year later. You know, it's green and it's healthy, but, but it needed cutting. And uh, my wife took the, the knife and cut into it. And if you're a gardener, then you, you know something about that. And Jesus uses that in, as an illustration here in the Christian life. You know, we, we are saved and we come to know the Lord Jesus. And that's a wonderful start, but it's the beginning and the father wants us to become more like Jesus so what does he do well it's it's not easy it's painful but uh, he he cuts us how does he do that well he does it through the word of God doesn't he sometimes God's word cuts us you think of verses where we are told about the word of God being like a sharp two-edged sword and the word of God as you sit here maybe on a Sunday or a midweek and and the preacher is preaching and God's word it you know it pierces you and it's dealing with you but but also God uh, cuts us sometimes in trials doesn't he Uh, and uh, things happen to us circumstances of life and uh, things that are not pleasant not easy to understand samuel rutherford um, the puritan preacher who wrote some wonderful letters and uh, to christians Uh, and samuel rutherford um, said this about sanctification and growing in the christian life Uh, he says we would have sanctification on the sunny side of the hill and holiness with nothing but summer and no crosses at all that's how we would have sanctification easy going Everything going well. Samuel Rutherford says, on the sunny side of the hill, you know, with no crosses. If only we could all be made holy with with no difficulties. But it's not like that, is it? The Father prunes us and cuts us. And there are experiences in the Christian life that we would prefer not to have had. But God was dealing with us and uh, wanting us to be made more like jesus we think of our savior himself and all the pains that he knew the letter to the hebrew says that he was made perfect through sufferings and everybody joined to jesus follows the same path it's an ongoing process and so there's that the true branch is uh, dealt with by god and uh, the ongoing process is um, a man in, in one, one of the churches that I, that I pastor and help. And uh, he's gone to glory now. He died a couple of years ago. But every Thursday in a Bible study, you know, we'd be talking about sanctification. And uh, he would always use this phrase. Yes, he says, you know, that's right. The ongoing process of sanctification. And he would always use that little phrase and we'd all smile. The ongoing process of sanctification. But he was right, wasn't he? The Father prunes us. He goes on pruning us. And we never become perfect in this life. But uh, the Father is good and he knows what he's doing with us. But then let's let's finish with verse three this evening uh, because we are told something else. Jesus in verse three goes on to say that uh, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. You are already clean. In one sense, this uh, desire of God the Father for us to be holy, in one sense, it's an ongoing process. But then in verse 3, Jesus gives a wonderful encouragement to Christians. You are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. It's not a contradiction. It's the way the gospel works. The Apostle Paul, changing the picture or changing the metaphor in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7, says to Christians, purge out the old leaven. It's his way of saying, you know, get rid of sin, get rid of the east. And then he says, since you are truly new. And he uses that in his letters, doesn't he? Ephesians and Colossians uh, put off the old man because you are new in Christ. Jesus says the same year, the father... A little bit at a time prunes us and cleanses us. He deals with us because he knows we're already clean. Judas Iscariot, at this point, has left the room. And uh, the Lord is speaking to 11 genuine disciples. The word I've spoken to you, he says, has made you clean back in chapter 13 verses 9 to 11 um, Simon Peter says to Jesus Lord uh, when the Lord is washing their feet not my feet only but also my hands and my head and Jesus said to him he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet but he is completely clean and you are clean but not all of you for Jesus knew who would betray him therefore he said you are not all clean Peter says Lord give me a bath and uh, Jesus says you don't need that you are clean but you need your feet washed and uh, the two things are found here side by side in verses 2 and 3 of John 15. We we do need that onward process but we also need to know that by God's grace we've been made clean by, by the washing of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are clean. So a few questions for us as we draw to a close Uh, uh, this time of Bible study together. And uh, the first question has to be from this passage. What is the Lord Jesus Christ to you? Who is he to you? Is he to you the true vine? As you look at this world in 2021 and as you look at leaders and politicians, who are you looking to for genuineness? and for holiness shouldn't it be the lord jesus christ there is nobody like him he is the true the authentic the genuine vine everywhere else is wild grapes but jesus christ is true and you can trust him the second question has to be are you joined to him Because there's a danger of being loosely attached like Judas Iscariot was. And if that's the case, there's a danger of being removed by God. But if you're in Christ, then one old hymn writer says, once in Christ, in Christ forever. What a great privilege that is. Is it your greatest desire to be made more like Jesus? To be made more like him? And uh, have you been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? Could the Lord Jesus say about you and me, you are already clean because of the word that I've spoken unto you.